2: Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Welcome back everybody. We've been uh, away for this last week because uh, N7 Legend here has been moving into a new place. And if you, if you are joining us live on the Twitch stream right now or watching the video of the podcast, then you can see the new background. He's got a cool gaming chair. He's got a flag in the background, N7 flag. Welcome back, buddy. How's it going?
1: It's going great. Um it was, you know, I'm still exhausted from that drive. Uh, that was 36 hours of driving and Jeez, yeah that's of driving you know that's not just like i was traveling for 36 so that's like 36 hours spent behind the wheel.
2: yeah plus other um, time stopping and doing other things yeah
1: it was long but it was amazing i didn't think that i was going to enjoy driving through wyoming and montana as much as i did uh but man that i mean when you get into like northern wyoming montana area and especially yellowstone it just kind of looks like you're at the footsteps of heaven itself
2: yeah it's beautiful Um, yeah
1: yeah, if no one's been there. Definitely drive uh, if you can. Maybe fly somewhere closer and then rent a car and drive. If
2: <laughs> no, travel, fly in for a vacation, but don't drive all the way there. Yeah, <laughs>
1: and, and yeah, don't especially if you live in Florida, like Tom. Don't drive all the way. There.
2: <laughs> that's a that's a long ride from my home. Uh, but yeah, I'm your host Tom. we robots, and this is N Seven Legend. Uh, used to be Kung Fu Kangaroo, uh, but he's no. officially N Seven Legend. We will be discussing today the. The legendary edition of Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, which just came out a few days ago. And I've had a little bit of time to play. How much time have you had to play so far?
1: I haven't had that much time to play. I actually just today got the, the chair, and yesterday I got the desk that I'm using. Uh-huh. And so I've been like nonstop moving around. And I think finally this week I'll have a lot of time to play. I have, I had just enough time to create my character. Um, in legendary edition and just Mm -hmm. enough time to really like enter into eden prime um but did you get past that first planet yet uh
2: yes yes so um yeah so where do you want to start like we've got a a bunch of things that we can discuss here um i am i've created my character which we're going to save for the middle of the show because this is our show you show us your shepherd this week will be my character which i'm very excited to share uh, I think he's probably the most unique character you will ever see. And, um, so I created my character, got through the intro stuff, got through Eden prime, got to the Citadel, uh, done a little bit of the Citadel and that's, that's as far as I got. So haven't really spent more than maybe an hour in the game yet, but it's enough to, um, to bring back a lot of memories and, uh, remind me how good the voice acting is. I think that's that's one of the things that we'll definitely be discussing about.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the voice acting is just star-studded. I mean, it's kind of insane, Like especially with Keith David like in the mix as Anderson. And speaking of Anderson, by the way, uh, before we jump into the Legendary Edition, I just wanted to say for anyone who's new for Ma- to Mass Effect, you need to check out Mass Effect Revelation. Uh, it's an audiobook that I was listening to. Or it's a book, but I was listening to it on audiobook on my drive across the country. Um, And it details the history that Captain Anderson has with Saren Arterius. And Saren is the antagonist of Mass Effect 1. Mm-hmm. So if you were ever curious, also, if you've played Mass Effect before, but you were curious about, you know, exactly how Saren became a corrupted uh, bad guy, so to speak, then definitely check out Revelation. I don't want to spoil anything, but man, uh, it's amazing. The guy who reads it is also really good. I can't remember his name, but... Uh, that sets everyone up for the intro to Mass Effect One uh, perfectly.
2: Right, right. So let's let's give the the audience a little bit of our background again. Going back into Mass Effect, um, I I did play through most of Mass Effect One back when it came out on I believe I played it on Xbox 360. Uh, it was the kind of game that I played in bed at night. And my wife would fall asleep watching me play, right? Like that was, that was my experience with Mass Effect 1. I also played it. I didn't play it when it first came out. I think it was one of those games I picked up on sale and then played through. I, I want to say I did at least, I don't know, 16 or 20 hours in the game. I never finished it. I never, I if I remember correctly, I didn't finish one. And this is thinking back a long time. Um, I enjoyed parts of it but I felt like it was very slow and the combat of course wasn't perfect which is the general consensus about that what about you what was your Mass Effect 1 experience
1: I'd agree with that the combat was really wonky and that's something we'll get into in a little bit but I did start playing Mass Effect 1 when it released shortly thereafter I released I think in 2007 and even you know though I was only about uh let's see I would have been uh 13 so yeah, even yeah. though i was in a much different time in my life i actually also spent most of my time playing the game at night you know after i was done hanging out with my friends and things yeah and i'd spend like all night playing the game yeah uh, it was and there wasn't much hype back then and it, it kind of felt like you had found a gym that no one knew about you know
2: it, there's something about that game and playing it at, at night maybe it's the space thing you know like space is always dark It was the kind of game where, like, I remember sitting in bed, you know, playing it with a controller on the TV in our bedroom, which wasn't as nice as our, you know, living room TV with like the crappy sound that just comes out of the TV instead of like nice speakers or, you know, like my headphones or anything like that. It was just like crappy sound, low quality TV. But even in that experience, the like the glow of the television and the colors and uh, the UI design, the clean lines, the simplicity Of that Um, and the sound even though again it was it was a low-quality TV sounds that were coming out something about the kind of spacey music and and even the slow pace of it has an appeal right kind of like if you think about like classic Star Trek or Star Trek the next generation it's not a fast-paced show you know it's a thoughtful show and there was something about the pace of Mass Effect 1 that was very thoughtful If I I think I probably want, I would describe it as that two and three are different, but one was very thoughtful.
1: You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I agree. And I think part of the reason that it might be so enjoyable playing it at night is you got to listen to the soundtrack. If you haven't, uh, yet listened to the mass effect one soundtrack, Uh, whether through Legendary Edition or the original. You have to listen to it, especially the Galaxy Map theme. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Galaxy Map theme was really great. But, you know, when I first booted up Legendary Edition, and I'm playing on Xbox, by the way. Uh, So when I first booted it up and I, I clicked Mass Effect 1, the reworked menu just ignited all of this nostalgia inside me because it was like, you know, they didn't just remaster the game. They remastered the menu, too. Right. And so you look at the menu and you're like, oh, here we go, you know, this it's time again. Um, but the irony is, you know, now, as opposed to when I was 13, I have much less time to play. Um, but, you know, I wanted to mention, um, kind of leading into our next point uh, about the reactions we've had. The single most frustrating scene, in cutscenes uh, of Mass Effect One, when mm-hmm. it comes to graphics qualities, and I know this, it's fresh in my mind because I just started a new playthrough uh, a month or two ago. Uh, is when you first start, you've just created your character, and you've just heard Anderson and Udina talking about your character, and then you watch Shepard walk toward the cockpit of the ship. And then the camera pans around to show your custom character's face, which at that time, by the way, was like awesome to see a custom made character in a cutscene. scene. Uh, so right. pans around yeah. and you're like, there's so much anticipation. You're like, oh man, I hope they look badass or, you know, however you wanted them to look. And then it just falls flat on its face, I think, no matter what, because I've made like 10 or 11 characters at least by now. Mm-hmm. And they always look dumb. And it's because <laughs> of the lighting and the angle at this point. <laughs> specific scene and we have the the video here Mm -hmm. um and it's this is the video from the legendary edition and they fixed it and thank god they fixed it because it looks it looks great now the lighting is fixed the shadows fixed your character doesn't look dumb even the like the default characters look dumb in the in the last one but but i'll shut up now uh so we can Um, see the legendary edition how they fixed this
2: pulling it up right now and putting it up on the screen here we go um and for those of you listening you can at least hear the audio of it Shepard's walking down the hallway, nudging past somebody, camera pans around, and then you see their face. Approach run has begun. And then of course you and see so the mass th- relay after that, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's just as you're entering the mass relay, and so Shepard's looking really inquisitively, you know, out the, the cockpit window, which by the way, they, they explain the mass effect is unnecessary. Um, right,
2: right? It's totally not <laughs> necessary at
1: all. It's, 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 it's so dramatic, um, but they, Shepherd is supposed to be looking like really, you know, uh, focused. But it comes across in the first game like Shepard looks constipated. So <laughs> and thank God they fixed that. I was just really tickled pink by the fact that they, they like I don't really hear many people complain about that scene. But it was always a thorn in my side just because of how much anticipation you have making your character wanting him to look cool. And that's the first time you see your character's face.
2: I thought it was just me because I, I designed a character who and this is another thing I noticed in the character design thing uh it's very easy to design your character only looking at the character from the front right like was it if you click to turn their heads they don't turn i think they animate on their own and they kind of move a little bit while you're in the character creator but there's no like drag and move the head to see it from different angles and there still isn't in legendary edition is that correct am i remembering that correct
1: on Xbox, you can move the right stick and get them to look around a little bit. But the motion of movement is very limited. Uh, oh, so, it's so about on PC, maybe, like, maybe
2: on PC, you can't do it with the mouse and keyboard. Maybe that's it.
1: Maybe so. Um, I don't know. I don't
2: remember completely. But I, I do remember that, like, I when I maybe I didn't even think to turn the character's head the first time I made my first character in Mass Effect. And so I made a, a female shepherd who looked pretty, pretty good from the front. But when you turned her head, it was like she was smushed. It was just like like a smushed puck face. And so in that scene, I was like, oh, cool. I could see my character. And then up the first time, you could see the character from the side. And you're just like, I was just like, oh, that's a bummer.
1: <laughs> and then you're like, well, I guess I got to restart.
2: Uh, no, I was just like, oh, I guess I'm stuck with this face. Uh, maybe I'll get used to it. Never did. Never did get used to it. Nope.
1: <laughs> and speaking of getting used to the faces we'll talk about it a little bit later but there's a unified character creator now so you don't have to wonder what the import from mass effect one face to mass effect two face is going to change so my character is going to be change.
2: as beautiful as it is now for all three games
1: exactly i'm very it's excited be about a- this and so i know something that's maybe some of our audience doesn't um about his character but drop dead gorgeous uh can't wait to show it at the mid-break
2: a Um, unique (laughs) unique experience um in the galaxy
1: and speaking of visual beauty what do you think about the the textures and the the frame rates you know versus the first one
2: yeah well the first one i played on xbox 360 and of course the frame rate was what, 30 frames stuck, I think, at the time? If that. If if that, you know, definitely at times it went lower than that. There were definitely scenes I remember in that, in Eden Prime. I think there's the scene where you see Saren for the first time, if I remember correctly, and this is a weird old memory to remember, but when it pans around him and you see him talking with the Geth, and it went like slideshow. Around. Do you remember this? Was this a thing? <laughs> oh, I do,
1: yeah. Rig the explosives to detonate. Yeah, yeah. And and it like slideshows
2: (laughs) around it. Yeah. Yeah. And on my, you know, I've got a pretty beefy uh, PC rig and played it on here, you know, in on my ultra wide screen at 3440 by whatever the other 1440. um, With like, there's not that many on top of this PC settings. This is one of my complaints. We PC gamers, we like our sliders and our settings. We like to be able to be like, oh, I want this type of anti-aliasing, and I want this many mipmaps, or you know, wh- who knows, whatever, right? I, w- I want ultra textures instead of high. You know, like we want to change all that stuff. Uh, no, nope, not a thing. You just, it's just like, here's just a few little settings. That's it. So, good luck. Um, but it looks good. Like overall, looks good. I clearly was at you know, solid frame rates the whole time. My system didn't have a problem. I have a 2080 Ti graphics card. That's probably why it's it's substantial for even just an up you know, older game. But no issues at all when it came to frame rate, um, smoothness, moving the character around. It's a little wonky in that uh, the speed of the camera and the speed of aiming and things are individually adjusted, and I felt like Although my mouse at the setting so I have a mouse that I you can change the DPI on it and at this DPI setting Works pretty well for most shooters. I felt like it was still too fast So I had to lower that stuff in order for it to feel right Um, But overall I thought it looked good like there I really didn't have any complaints like the, the characters look good. Some of the hair is still a little bit weird You can still tell it's it's you know, it's an improved version of an older game It doesn't look like a new gen game, but uh, it, it isn't offensive <laughs> if I could use that language, you know, sometimes you, you, load up an old game and you're in your mind's eye, the game is better looking than it actually is because you're, you're kind of remembering it through the rosy lens of your memory. Because he yeah, liked you're talking to someone
1: who loves Morrowind, so. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you think back to it, and you're like, oh, yeah, the water in Morrowind was amazing, because it was at the time, right? But then, you know, the character who you're talking to has, like, four polygons on its face, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, everybody I talk to has a triangle face. Okay, that's right. Um, but, yeah, not bad. What did, what did you think on your experience?
1: I thought, yeah, along the same lines as you. You know, it's not offensive. Um, the textures, the the new meshes and textures are amazing. I think uh, I have a, a particular appreciation, maybe because I played the first one in two thousand seven. Um, in some ways, I think it's better than Andromeda. You know, the facial animations, particularly. Uh, here's because here's the thing them, about like, Andromeda. God,
2: yeah so i i picked up andromeda it was like super super discount on steam and i had some money from my birthday uh from a steam gift card so i picked it up and i was like yeah I, I should get it i'll play through it eventually once i get through this this trilogy the and i mentioned this on a previous episode the characters in the first trilogy or in the original trilogy look uh <sighs> Their bodies are proportioned in ways that we expect them to be. They're not necessarily exactly human proportions, but they're proportioned in ways that we expect video game characters to be proportioned, which are, you know, like heads are slightly smaller than reality, which makes their bodies seem bigger. They seem, you know, like a little bit bigger, buffer, cooler than real humans, right? Like that's what we want our video game characters. We want them all to look like superheroes, not actual people, right? That's what they look like. The characters in Andromeda look like everybody is a child. Oh, their heads right. Their heads are so big. Their heads that's are big right. and their bodies that's are big. little and everybody looks like they're no older than 14 years old. <laughs> It's true. And I have I have a really hard. T- so I des- I designed my character uh, and I named him middle school bully. <laughs> I'll show him at some point. Oh, that's why. That's, that's the, why he's that's the middle the school reason. bully. Because even with a mustache, he doesn't look like he's older than 14 years old. He looks like a 14 year old who just has never shaved. <laughs> it's what he
1: looks like. That's kind of come to think of it. And no offense to uh, uh, at all to any of the audience who sent us their writers. Yeah, but that's true. It's, it's true. <laughs> that's, like the characters that's true.
2: don't look like, and maybe it's because their proportions are actually more similar to real humans. But we don't want that in our fantasy. We want idealized people.
1: It, and I think the graphical models, especially for like the face and hair in Andromeda, it almost felt like they tried to go in like a Final Fantasy direction but not yeah. like a non-committal fa- Final Fantasy direction. Yeah, a little more um,
2: stylized.
1: Yeah, um, and speaking of, of, of style, part of the, uh, if, if you're really into like, you know, visual effects, then you might've noticed that in Mass Effect 1, shadows were used really strategically uh, throughout all of the cutscenes and whatnot. However, sometimes it, I don't think it came across the way that the developers really wanted it to. And namely, there's a scene where you are being briefed. You being Shepard, Shepard is being briefed by Captain Anderson prior to jumping into Eden prime prior to the first planet where, you know, you encounter combat and a, a somewhat free room. And the mm-hmm. shadows in the original one are just awful. Like, it's so dark you can barely see it. Even if you brighten your screen all the way, it, and then it gets distorted and 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 grainy. Um, and that's a, the film grain is a different feature where I'm not sure why they insisted on adding that, but you know, to each their own. But the shadows have been fixed, which I'm I'm very happy about. Um, and then you know, like you said, in, in other ways. You can kind of tell that it's, it's an old game. It's still the same game engine. It's the skeleton of itself, just with makeup on, you know, yeah. uh, with a better skin. Um, Because there were some fleeting moments where like the environment, the physics, the the vehicles like the Normandy in cutscenes, just the movement. It's hard to to really pinpoint because I'm not uh, a computer programmer or an engineer or a game tester, but you can just kind of tell. And I know that doesn't really help our listeners because (laughs) you're just listening. Um, But when you look at the movement and it has to do with, I think, the physics and how smooth something moves in Mass Effect 1, and then you look at it Andromeda. I thought Andromeda actually did that very well. The physics and everything just very well. Like, Like, um, what's the the, the vehicle's name in in Andromeda? It kicks up dust every time you go into turbo mode, and it just looks great. Um, But I don't think that there's really so much of that in Legendary Edition.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and those are things that we got better, or we, like the game development got better at um, implementing and uh, especially animations were much more motion captured or uh yeah every industry gets better with time you know the the people who work on these are more experienced and they have better tools and all of that so but overall i i didn't have an issue with it like it's it's totally playable um the graphics are are solid the textures look good uh when i get a new outfit like when i get a new armor i'm interested in putting it on because i want it to look cool and some of them do, you know, I mean, some obviously this is a subjective thing, but some of the gear you put on looks better than others. Um, I'm going to discuss how my character looks in his gear uh, when we get to the middle of the show, um, because there's some specific things about that. Uh, so what about gameplay? How did you feel about the gameplay?
1: So for the gameplay, I thought. And, you know, of course, it's going to be like this because Mass Effect 1 was the oldest. And so Mass Effect 1 is going to have the most improvements. Mass Effect 2, slightly more. Mass Effect 3, the fewest. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the combat in Mass Effect 1, as we mentioned earlier, how it was kind of clunky. That is like the biggest improvement to me. Um, that is going to be so crucial in bringing, if if you're Bioware, it's going to be so crucial in bringing new players into the Mass Effect universe fan base, which I think, if you're looking at it from a business point of view, is partly why they did this. This is part of the reason why they remastered the original trilogy, because as they mentioned around Christmas time, there is going to be a Mass Effect 4. And it's been a long time since Mass Effect 3. It's not really in the vernacular anymore, especially with the failure of Andromeda. Uh, and so, if you're going to release a now now your fourth game in a AAA title series. You need to rekindle that kind of interest, uh, especially when the series is now uh, 14 years old. So the combat in, in Mass Effect One is playable. It's it's very playable. It's it's going to be kind to new people uh, who haven't known Mass Effect before. If you've never played Mass Effect uh, One before and you try to start with Mass Effect One now, you're likely going to toss your controller to the side and just, or your PC, your your mouse and keyboard, and just say, forget it. You know, it's it's too difficult because. It's, there's lots of pausing. The uh, The action is not fast-paced if you're not the soldier class, because you're constantly changing, you're pausing the game to use these abilities. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was really difficult, aside from the, the UI difficulties. The game itself was very difficult. Um, insanity mode was damn near impossible, even if you were good at it.
2: The The pausing thing is a, is a callback to Bioware's previous games, uh, games like Knights of the Old Republic, where Uh, Mass Effect one was a transition from the top down isometric games that they were developing like Knights of the Old Republic, where you would have a squad and you would decide what they would do. You'd unpause it. You'd let them do their thing. You'd pause it again. You'd make new decisions. It was a stepping stone between that old turn-based system and live action. And so that's, that's why Mass Effect is in the place it's at where it's a little bit odd like that. And the shooting wasn't always that great either. Um, funny, funny enough, I picked the soldier class. For my character because I I hadn't played as a soldier and I wanted to do the shooting and stuff. But I also wanted to leave the biotics and the tech stuff to my other characters. So when I needed something specific from them, I could pause it and command it. But if it came down to just shooting stuff, I was able to handle that on my own. And that was my my reasoning.
1: And that's, I'm glad that you brought up the kind of relying on your squad, because that is a big difference in legendary edition versus mass effect one. So the original mass effect one, uh, the squad in mass effect one, you couldn't command them individually. You could just tell both of them to hold, to stay put or both of them to go to a certain location. Um, that's changed now you can command them individually now. Um, and they also use their abilities better now. There was so basically in the original Mass Effect One, there was a gameplay setting where you could uh, merely say on or off if the squad was going to use their abilities without your direct command. Um, now there is a medium setting where the squad can use their their abilities defensively. Mm-hmm. So if they have abilities like barrier or immunity, they can use those to keep them themselves from dying and. Sorry if you hear that. There's a car alarm okay. going off. It's <laughs> just all right. part of the part of the difficulties of living in a city. Podcast life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, but you know they, they can uh, activate immunity barrier, um, uh, other tech shields, and that that kind of thing to keep themselves from dying without you expressly telling them to do that. Um, so it reserves the offensive abilities for your own. Uh, liking, which I thought was pretty awesome, the fact that they've upgraded on that. And then there's the whole cover system. Um, Before there was a, it was like a half-assed cover system in Mass Effect 1, (laughs) Uh in the original one. And I'm I'm just going to speak pretty bluntly here, uh, as I normally do, but the Mass Effect 1 cover system, you never knew when it was going to work. And you never really knew if you could rely on it but you had to rely on it in the higher difficulties i'm having some troubles with it right now in the original mass effect one insanity playthrough but <laughs> they fixed that seemingly so now you can just sprint up to the cover and, it, and it's contextual it puts you in and by the way yeah, now you can sprint outside of combat which is so enormous that's a big change from aspect one
2: yep now i did notice that and the cover does seem nicer to the point where i didn't I didn't always remember that I could use cover because I probably didn't use it that most, that much the first time I played through it unless I really needed it. Um, but yeah, now you can just run up to something. The other thing that I noticed though, is that the key bindings a little bit weird. So in order to, (laughs) so I keep hitting shift to run, but shift doesn't run spacebar runs, but spacebar also interacts with things. Which is weird, like uh, modern games will use shift to run, they'll use E or F to interact, they'll use space to jump. Like, but the key bindings are not normal. And then I had to hunt for, like I kept on pulling my weapon out accidentally in like situations where I didn't need my weapon out. And I was just like, oh crap, this is awkward. I have my weapon out and I'm just talking to two officers, you know, like this is weird. So then I had to find the button to put my weapon away
1: that's an interesting pc unique dilemma where uh, this is like one of those scenarios that i'm glad that you're playing on pc and i'm playing on xbox because like i wouldn't know that yeah that that's happening to you and you wouldn't know that something's happening with me but but that's that's really interesting <laughs> like i haven't run into any weird controls uh yet but i do know that melee in mass effect one and, and xbox i don't know if it's the same on pc but uh-huh. um it's no longer contextual there's a button for it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yep. it used to be in Mass Effect 1 and the original one that. Uh, it would only engage melee if an enemy was close enough to you. So you might be, you know, railing like an enemy, like five miles away with a sniper. And then if someone runs up to you, it's going to exit the zoom. And all of a sudden you're like throwing bows. Or if you've got the assault rifle out and you're trying to just mow them down. Well, that's not going to work. If an enemy like a husk runs up to you, all of a sudden now you're not firing Mm -hmm. and you're just like, ah, what's going on? There's no more of that, uh, which is nice.
2: Yeah, it's, it it defaulted, and this was a nice thing. It defaulted to the thumb button on my mouse, which I will usually, I will usually, uh, if it's not already on the thumb button for melee, I'll either add melee or like grenade toss to that button so that it's like right there with my hands or, or chat, you know, if I have to chat, but I'm not playing this, it's not multiplayer. So, um, so that actually was intuitive. Uh, Captain Logan in chat says sprint should be left stick in. Yeah, which I guess it's not. Agreed. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, agreed. And, and I think it was a in the original Mass Effect one anyway. So maybe they were doing that for continuity. Not quite sure why. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, I agree. Um, maybe there will be different uh, controller settings.
2: I did see on one of the videos that somebody did a comparison, the uh, zooming in for the sniper rifle. In the original compared Mm -hmm. to in in Legendary Edition and how Legendary Edition is way more usable now. It doesn't over zoom. It actually, you know, it zooms, but not too far. And you can actually like I found as a soldier class even and I don't even have sniper unlocked yet, but I would just use my sniper running through the first map location. Mm -hmm. I was just just taking everybody out from a distance most of the time. Yeah. And there used to be a
1: really, really bad idle sway for snipers. And it made it completely unusable. Well, first of all, snipers used to be completely unusable unless you had like the skill tree or you were an infiltrator. Um, Now, any class can use any weapon in Mass Effect 1. Mm -hmm. That's not the way that it was. It used to be that, you know, if you wanted to use certain weapons, you had to be that class Uh, or you had to be New Game Plus and then add the skill. Right. Um, Right. But that's not the way it is anymore. And I'm excited to see what that's going to do for combat along with uh, there's a lot of other combat official combat changes that Bioware released. Um, and we'll talk about those in the second half of the show when we kind of go over what Bioware said it has improved um, officially anyway. Uh, but there's a lot of them and that's one of them that you can really uh, use any weapon with any class. And part of that is that you don't have to be trained in the weapon now um, yeah. where So I think that's awesome. And it's more aligned with Mass Effect 3's combat, the way that that was at release. Because if you remember, Mass Effect 3's combat was, like, all weight-based. So you could, like, have every weapon, but it would be heavier, and that would slow down your biotic and tech cooldown abilities.
2: Mm. Yeah. So I, I noticed I could just, like, use that from the beginning, and it was so effective... And I just I just started at normal difficulty because I I didn't want it to be a challenge. I'm playing it mostly for the story and for the fun of playing this character the way I'm going to be playing them. Um, But I I just started normal difficulty and I noticed that I snipe things and it was sniper. Even though I during that first planet, I leveled up a few times and I put a bunch of extra stats into uh, my assault rifle skill. But even then, it was actually more effective for me to snipe things than it was to run in with my assault rifle most of the time, um, which I didn't expect. I was like, well, that's OK. All right. And yeah, it just worked out. So no and complaints there, but a little bit odd that that was as easy as it seems
1: I think that's part of their unification of the three games effort. Um, because I remember in Mass Effect 2, snipers became pretty overpowered. Um, mainly because there wasn't that insane idle sway. Uh, but also that in Mass Effect 2, if you weren't using the sniper, um, things were a lot harder for you. <laughs> like yeah. they, were, they were really hard. Um, and so they've, they've made some changes to Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3 as well. Uh, but the most of the most of the changes are on Mass Effect One's end, so we're going to be focusing on those a little bit. Um, but I, I kind of come to the same question that I was talking about uh, with with graphics, which is you know, was it better than Andromeda? No, uh, the graphics weren't better than Andromeda because you can still tell it's 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 you know it's a it's an old game it's an old old shell using new textures but in some ways they were they were better with you know like just facial animations and whatnot so is the combat better than andromeda i don't think so because in my opinion andromeda's combat was still more natural faster paced and, and like like superheroish. it was just awesome right uh, all the right. things that you could do in andromeda um, yeah well what, i'll be excited to
2: dive into my superhero 14 year old um when i get to that part of that story which I, I didn't get too far into andromeda i just kind of played through parts of the, of the beginning so i don't I, I i can share more about that once i get
1: to it teen titans teen titans, titans guest star middle school bully. <laughs> middle school bully uh, yeah middle school bully. but, <laughs> but the, you know the writing and um, the storyline the voice acting it's all the same you know so mm-hmm. those things haven't changed uh which is good because i love those things um but you know, that all still makes it better than Mass Effect drama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, I just realized that uh, Seth Green was Joker. I don't think I think I recognized his voice the first time, but didn't realize who it was. And then I finally realized who it was. And I was like, ah, that's why he sounds so familiar. OK. All right. Um, but anyway, well, th- tell you what, why don't we move on to the middle of the show? We're going to talk about uh, some of the reviews you guys left. We're going to read through some of the reviews and we're going to talk about uh, my my shepherd I think you guys will be very interested to see
1: message coming in patching it through
2: I am
0: sovereign and this station is mine I like the sound of that
2: so welcome to the middle of the show. We've got some reviews to go over. Thank you everybody who took the time to leave a rating or review on Apple podcasts. Uh, even if you don't listen there, as long as you have an Apple account, you can do that. And right now we we don't have a Patreon set up. We, we should probably do that soon. We've had people ask. Um... But the best ways that you can help us out with the show is to tell your friends about it if you're playing through legendary edition and you're digging back into the lore and you have friends who are playing as well let them know about the show that would help out a ton we were i've been going through all the different charts and things we currently are at was it 50th was that it Fiftieth.
1: it was 50 yeah we're in the top 50.
2: we're in the top 50 of the u.s video game podcasts this show is about two months old and we are in the top 50 thanks to you guys listening to the show that is phenomenal i i shared a thing on uh my twitter on the robots radio twitter which is at robots underscore radio if you want to follow it um that showed uh three of three of their show three of our shows the fallout lore cast is at like 41 currently mass effect lore cast is at 50 and the elder scrolls Lorecast is at 55. So all three of those shows are like nested in real close to each other, which is amazing. And and the the rankings change every day based on who downloads what and and those kinds of things. But that, that is amazing guys. Thank you so much for listening to the show and sharing with your friends. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be having that kind of success. So thank you so very much. So we did, we did get some reviews. I want to highlight. In fact, we have a number of them. We've got five uh, and I'm going to, we've got, four of them which are five stars and one which is one star. And I'm going to read it just for fun. So we've got uh, Desi Werewolf in the US who says, I keep coming back for more five stars. This podcast is absolutely phenomenal and a must watch slash listen for Mass Effect Junkies and Seven Legends deep dive into Mass Effect topics makes you feel like you were there and part of the history of the Mass Effect universe. Robot's take on the historical, religious, and philosophical perspectives of the topic leaves more questions than answers in a good way and really makes you second guess your choices you made while playing the trilogy. Overall, this podcast is a 10-10 and will have you craving uh for the next episode so thank you very much jesse well that's very nice uh and specific compliments for each of us really do appreciate that Guy 13 from the us writes great show five st- five stars uh great show fun to listen to i'm a huge mass effect fan and have been looking for a podcast to listen to for a while found this one before legendary edition drops wish i would have thought of doing a podcast like this so uh Guy, Guy, thank you um yeah, if you have any other ideas for podcasts and you want help launching your show, that's what the Robots Ready Rocket Club is for. So, you know, send me a note. Maybe I can help you out. Uh, the next one we got in from Wings eighty, and uh, sometimes sometimes you get critiques, and you just gotta you gotta take them for what they're worth. So, uh, if if any of you disagree with this in some way and you want to help balance this out, then leave us a five star review. Uh, they wrote, "The host should shut up. Let the N seven guy speak." <laughs>
1: It's, I'm flattered in the weirdest way. <laughs> I
2: love I love these criticisms because it's like, well, yeah. Sometimes I jump in and share stuff, but is it is this a critique of me, like? When you're doing a podcast at a distance, there's a delay. So sometimes you, you want to say something and you think the other person is done talking and then you speak up and then you end up talking on top of the other person. It happens. We've all we've all been on these web call meetings, right? Like we're across the country from each other. There's going to be a little bit of a delay. So maybe that's the complaint because I I get excited and want to say something. So I jump on top of you or he doesn't like the historical, religious and philosophical perspectives that I'm sharing that the person too reviews ago mentioned um
1: right right he either doesn't like the fact that uh we're virtually broadcasting a zoom call right or (laughs) or that uh he just doesn't like that you know like the uh i don't know the the social sciences uh perspective of it either way i mean we're we're still happy to have him as a fan (laughs) thank you for watching i I am listening thank you for watching wings 80 uh we still love you.
2: I don't know if you're still listening, but uh, thanks. Um, then we have uh, Laps of Synapse in the U.S. who writes, feels like home. Five stars. No game has had... Uh, has has had made more of an impact than Mass Effect. And listening to this podcast makes me feel like I'm listening to the friends that I haven't met. I'm Garrus Vicarian, and this is my favorite pod on the Citadel. Very nice. I love, I love that. That's one of the reasons I listen to shows and podcasts is because it feels like hanging out with your friends, even if you don't know who you are. So lapse of signups, if you, everybody uses different names on different platforms. If you haven't signed on to our Discord yet and chatted with us about your experience with the games, please do so. We'd love to learn more about you. Um, Anybody who's listening, we're here. Like, don't just consider us friends at a distance. Like we're here to chat with you guys. We'd love to get to know you and have you be part of our community. Um, So thank you again for that, for that review. That's awesome. Then our last one is Johnny G 22 from the U S who writes fantastic mass effect. Lorecast five stars. Absolutely love this universe. And what better ways to listen about it than having these two great hosts. I've been listening to this podcast during my car rides to and from work. And I have to keep on listening. Once I get home, Great lore is given in each episode and both so hosts go into such great detail. It truly is a fantastic podcast. The hosts also provide different perspectives on events that happen in mass effect that I would never thought of highly recommend to any fans of mass effect. So another, another review that seems to like our different perspectives and discussion about those things. That's part of what makes it a fun show, right? So. Those are our reviews. Thank you to everybody who who takes the time to even just leave a a review. But if you do decide to leave some words, we will read it out on a future episode. And if for some reason we miss yours or don't don't see it, please let us know. Um, Sometimes the platforms we use don't always show everything. So, um, yeah, please let us know about that stuff. All right. Let's move on to our show us your shepherd. So are you guys ready for this? I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. My body too bootylicious. They're not ready. They're not ready for this jelly. All right. So this is, uh, I don't remember his official name. He was inspired by a combination of Danny DeVito and Waluigi. And so I think I just called him Wa DeVito or something like this. Wa DeVito shepherd. And there he is. This is his beautiful mug. And for anybody listening at home, um, uh and seven how would you describe him what can can you do a description of (laughs) um paint a picture with your
1: words uh okay um this is gonna be vague but specific Uh, so have have you guys ever imagined who is underneath the chuck e cheese costume (laughs) because it looks like it might be this guy no but (laughs) oh my god (laughs) he he, um no but but really he he's he's got um he's balding with what looks like hot pink hair and he's got a handlebar mustache that flows down his face uh like a waterfall flows down rocks mainly because of his protruding excessively (laughs) wide cheekbones and um which are accompanied by his bright green eyes uh, and very thick brows. Uh, mm-hmm. There is no doubt mm-hmm. in my mind that this this guy is the specimen of manliness. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was
2: thinking when I mean, Danny DeVito and Waluigi being my inspirations.
1: He is absolutely uh, the pinnacle of humanity. And I I can't wait to see what he does with the Reapers. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so he <laughs> might just run.
2: so okay so a few other details here his nose is very short but also very wide at the same time Uh, his mouth is very high on his face where with a very low but skinny chin in what I can only describe as a pucker frown (laughs) and his skin is almost transparently white to being the pink and yet blue at the same time somehow Um he also everybody's heard the the phrase resting bitch face i uh would have to describe this as a resting uh stank face yeah
1: he looks like something a child might do to a doll
2: <laughs> yes so this is uh devido. uh <laughs> shepherd and um on top of this when you take a character like this and it was very hard to mangle i guess i could use that word his face into such a form because the the character creation in mass effect isn't as extreme as some other games say you know like elder scrolls oblivion or something like that which you can totally mangle somebody's face but i was able to get it into this shape after taking enough you know working on it for a while and um the character just animates very strangely now that his face is mangled in this way so when he talks he's, he's looks like he's upset uh and so i decided i'm gonna go full renegade and he is just a total jerk to everyone even though his face makes him look like he sh- probably shouldn't be <laughs> you know like he should probably try I to can't talk wait to less. see the
1: scars the oh, scars man. that you develop Mass aspect Two. oh from yeah me. I can't wait to see
2: that. Yeah, he's got a little bit of a scar on his face uh, on his forehead. He has the official scar, but he also has a skin texture, which makes him look kind of aged. Um, and his ears are very like wide, very kind of elephant out to the sides. Um, his head in general is almost as wide as it is tall. <laughs> so he's got that going for him as well. Uh, but yeah, there you go. That's that's my Spectre. Um, he's a soldier. He's He's a hard ass. He gives everyone a hard time. And yet somehow they still believe that he's going to save the universe. So good luck, buddy.
1: (laughs) He's the chosen
2: one. He's the chosen one unexpectedly but there you go all right well <laughs> that's my shepherd uh maybe we'll we'll have to talk about yours in the future or captain logan who does the cyberpunk lorecast shared with me his shepherd who he designed to look like me he says so maybe we'll have to oh kind of yeah focus on him in the future we'll have to take a is look it at tom that. shepherd uh, i think it is i think it's actually tom uh, shepherd it's amazing um i don't think it looks much like me but he, that's what he said was he was going for so we'll talk about that in the future why don't we move on to the rest of the show
0: since the dawn of time there have been storytellers who teach through their stories these myths give rise to fundamental truths and these truths shape our collective experience
1: yet these myths are not something of the past and today they engage us more fully in the story itself video games allow us to live the lives of our favorite myths my name is blue crew A6, host of focus fire chat and i want to invite you to explore our modern day myths with us Join with us as we explore the stories, the mythologies of the Destiny franchise, as well as other games. Let's
0: explore. Together. spit it out or are you trying to build suspense you're so dense sir obviously i do not know as much about human relationships as i thought
2: so we got some other stuff to talk about um you had some things you teased in the first half of the show and how, how do you want to start this off what do you want to cover
1: right so now let's go you know we kind of went into our reactions but let's go into the hard facts right so um what has Bioware said that they improved? This is what we're going to focus on in this half of the show, and let's start with the obvious one: graphics. Graphics are now 4K Ultra HD. Um, you know, time has partly been to thank for that. You know, it's allowed for technology to advance, and and also for more people to acquire uh, devices that output in 4K, as well as the devices that display 4K. Um, and EA has taken advantage of that. Um, however, this was news to me. I was checking up on EA's official website and according to EA, at least, uh, who is the parent company of BioWare, the original trilogy was released entirely on a console cycle that allowed up to 1080p resolutions, but it was often actually running at 720p or lower. Yeah, so that no, I totally believe
2: it. Me. I totally believe that because the, the XP, the Xbox 360 generation, many of the games like it, it outputs your TV at 1080, but the actual frame rate it was rendering at was way lower than that, sometimes even like 600 P. And it considered to uh, compared to 4K, like I don't if you guys don't understand the difference here, 4K is is actually four times the resolution of 1080. So how many times the resolution of 720 is that? It's
1: a lot. And it's it's a massive game too, Mass Effect 1. And Mass Effect 1 through 3 are huge in, in graphically speaking, in terms of the number of assets that exist in the game. And uh, so you know, I can only imagine how huge the effort was. To review and rework every texture because, according to BioWare, that's and EA and BioWare, that's what the studios did. They reviewed every single graphical asset and texture, and that may sound like a lot. It might not sound like a lot if you factor in the fact that, you know, a lot of these assets were reused. However, that's still, according to EA and BioWare, that's still over 30,000 unique textures to review. That's a
2: lot. That's a lot. I just looked it up too. The difference from f- 720 to 4K is not. Nine times—that's nine times the resolution. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, the total number of pixels in 4K is eight million two hundred ninety-four thousand four hundred pixels. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's so we almost we've ten. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. almost ten times better looking. Oh, totally. Um, and I can't wait to you know be playing. And this is going to be like two hundred hours later, uh, but I can't wait to get to Mass Effect Three and see how much it's improved. Um, I imagine, you know, the the, diff- the difference isn't that drastic, but, you know, I can't wait to see that. Um, the next thing that Bioware said that they improved was the unified character creator. I kind of mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the past, in Mass Effect 1, you created a character. And then when you were done with that, assuming that Mass Effect 2 was already out, you imported the save from Mass Effect 1, from the end of Mass Effect 1, when you completed the game. And you, com- you imported that save into Mass Effect 2 as a new game your character's face didn't always translate perfectly because there wasn't parallel options, if that makes sense. It wasn't the exact same character creator. There were different sliders, there were different options, and sometimes when you imported the character it didn't really look like your character at all yeah. sometimes it even changed the hair color which happened to me like <laughs> i remember my first character i tried to make it with my own hair color which is mo- kind of like an ash blonde and there's no option for that in mass effect 2 there was in mass effect 1 not really Mass <laughs> so Effect.
2: Your, your character just got a hairdo change in between. right so there you go
1: shepherd went through a midlife crisis. Um, so, uh, I get post life crisis because he had died. Um, yeah. but maybe that's how they're going to play it off in the writing because of the project. But anyway, there's no more of that. There's no more goofy imports. Uh, there's a unified character creator. So your character is going to look identical in the second game and the third game to how it looked in the first game. That's a huge bonus. Uh, that's a big change. There's also some inventory balancing. So now the inventory in mass effect one and PC players are going to rejoice at this, by the way, uh, there is the inventory in mass effect. One isn't as clunky to, to operate and you can now mark items as junk, I which totally there's noticed a lot this. of copies. Oh, there's God. a lot of copies, uh, of items like, like ammo upgrades and, and weapon and then weapon upgrades, armor upgrades. And if you have, played the game for more than 10 hours you'll notice that you just get so much stuff that you're like "Ah, i should just convert it to omni which can be used for a lot of things hence the name Uh, but the ability to market all as junk and then all convert it all at once as one clump is pretty awesome
2: yep no i totally noticed that and i was like oh good nice
1: (laughs) it'll speed up uh the inventory and if for mass effect one's original players you probably remember how fast your inventory fills up and then that would require a trip back to like the Citadel to offload and sell a bunch of stuff. Um, you just get so wealthy from that <laughs> game you, you do from selling copies of armor and weapon upgrades, but there's another thing uh, that they that they uh, up and improved and this is kind of a, a catch-all so they said that they've balanced combat better and they've improved aiming and weapons handling mm-hmm like i mentioned earlier there's no context. there was no contextual melee in mass effect one now it's its own button all classes can use the weapons like a soldier can which is a huge bonus to character variations in mass effect one and the cooldowns for everything have been reduced and i think that all works to speed up the pace of gameplay which as we mentioned mass effect one was kind of the one thing that hampered it it could get a little slow uh the improvements are evident in mass effect one like I mentioned, I haven't play. I got, I haven't gotten into Mass Effect Legendary Edition to get into the second or third game yet because, you know, just haven't had the time. But what we do know is that the ammo system in Mass Effect 2, which, by the way, Mass Effect 1, it works on an overheat system. Your weapons can overheat. Mass Effect 2, they introduced an ammo system with thermal clips, but that ammo system has been completely reworked so that the ammo drops are not insanely rare anymore. They used to be pretty rare, so then that would make that would send you scavenging for ammo types of weapons that you might not want to use, but you have to use. Uh, and it also has the effect that it makes sniper classes more viable now. Like if you mm. want your sniper to be your primary weapon in Mass Effect Two, there's going to be more ammo for you, and you're you're probably going to be happy about that. Nice. The mortality, or I'm sorry, uh, the morality in Mass Effect Two it's not as difficult anymore to gain points. Uh, So the things that grant you morality points, i.e. Renegade, Paragon, they grant you more of those points now. And certain decisions are hidden behind restrictions of you must be X level of Paragon or you must be Y level of Renegade to make those decisions. Well, those decisions are now going to be easier to make because you're going to have more of those points. And some of those decisions are so critical to the ending of to how your game ends, to how Mass Effect 3 ends. Um, So I think certain players will be very happy about that. I think one of the the maybe unintended, maybe intended consequences of it is that players aren't going to have to play as many side quests to get the ending they want in Mass Effect 3. Right. right.
2: Um, you know, though, like I've I've considered it. Being that I have a lot of I have a lot of projects going. I do a lot of shows. I play a lot of games. Um, playing through this again, and some of it for the first time. I don't know if I want to try to follow every side quest thread, or if I want to mainline the story and then see what happens because it. Originally to get to the certain endings in 3 you had to do pretty much everything, right? That was that was mm-hmm. kind of the way it is. But what happens in this version of the game if I just, you know, uh, you know, do some of the side quests but not everything? Like what what happens if I you know, don't really hurry through it but only play the parts that I'm really interested in, don't force myself into, you know, play it more casually than like completionist. I guess is what I'm saying. Does that work out? Does that what, how does, where does that leave me at the end of the story?
1: Well, I think you might be happy to hear this next part. And that's that they've, for the legendary edition, they've removed Mass Effect 3's multiplayer um, right, component. Right, so, right. And
2: we talked about this before. That was originally right. needed to to get the highest level of uh, whatever that status was called. The galactic
1: uh, readiness. Gal- yeah. readiness,
2: that's what it was. And um, yeah, so now since that's not in there, you don't have to do it. So other things give you more galactic readiness. But how many of them do you have to do? Right. Like
1: that is a quantitative question, which I am eager to find out the answer to.
2: Right. Right. So that's what that's part of what I'm curious about is if I just play through naturally and go down the story paths that I find most compelling with the characters that I'm most connected to and those kinds of things. Where does that leave me at the end of the game?
1: I guess we're going to find out. I guess we'll find uh, out. One way or the other. Uh, but regardless, you shouldn't be as disappointed with the ending as some fans were uh, when Mass Effect 3 originally released. Because they have included the extended cut DLC. That is now canon. That's part of the game. Uh, so no, if you're just jumping into the trilogy and the series, you're not going to experience the original ending When it first came out and the problem that a lot of players had with that ending was that it was vague and it seemed like it didn't even show you enough animations and cinematics to make it seem like a lot of the choices that you made were impactful or mattered at all. And uh, that's kind of the appeal of the whole series. Um, So a lot of players were up in arms about that, but the extended cut is now, canon it adds 25 minutes of cinematics to the ending of mass effect three it doesn't leave it as vague as it did before um i think it leaves it a certain level of vague because as we discussed during the first episode of this lore cast there needs to be Mm -hmm. to 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 make another mass effect game which there is going to be mass effect four and it does look like it's going to be a continuation of Shepard's story um so yeah the extended cut dlc is canon and in fact all almost all dlcs are included now and that includes the promo stuff like the you know the special weapons and armor you got from the older games for 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 downloading them so i'm pretty psyched about getting some dragon age armor in mass effect
2: right yeah that'd be awesome
1: and um the when it comes to dlcs i don't know if you had a favorite dlc uh for mass effect 2 Or Mass Effect 3. I didn't play through any of the DLCs.
2: So that's another... Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. No, see, that's (laughs) that's the thing. It's like I picked up the game. Like, actually, I'm trying to remember if two came with some DLCs when I picked it up.
1: Well, each of these games were games that I
2: picked up like later after they released. But I think I just got them like the base games on sale.
1: I think. Did you use Zaid or Kasumi at all? I don't think so. Then you probably didn't play any of the DLCs. Yeah,
2: yeah. so the, like this stuff will be new for me too, so I'll, I'll have some like you know, hot takes on some of this stuff.
1: Man, you're going to experience a lot more than you did before. I'm like excited yeah. to see yeah. what you have to say about it. I, um, I do
2: remember staying aware of uh, the community and the conversation and things people were talking about in podcasts about this stuff and how certain DLC was like oh my god, this one's so good, you really need to play through this like, like I, I remember being aware of that, but not actually playing through it myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and I remember there were a lot of people that were like, you know, on Reddit, there's a very love-hate relationship with DLC for 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 video games, and mm-hmm. the Mass Effect subreddit isn't immune to that. And I think a lot of people got so disillusioned with EA's handling of Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3's ending that they said, don't buy any of the Mass Effect DLC. But I strongly disagree with that. And I disagree with it because if you like a game and you're having fun and you're enjoying it and you think the dlcs are worth it and you get fulfillment and extra enjoyment out of that then perhaps you should buy it
2: right Um, yeah i do remember this being a a debated thing because they claimed that the real ending was headed hidden behind this extra cost and so that was that was a problem like i remember that being a thing
1: yeah, I don't believe that. You know, I, I don't believe that the real ending was hidden behind anything. They they created the extended cut DLC after the fans uproar about it. Mm-hmm. So it was an, a genuine attempt to try to, you know, um, connect with their fans. And if you're looking for, you know, a one DLC, if you don't have a lot of time to play the game, but you, you got to play one DLC that... Adds a lot to the story. You have to play the Leviathan DLC in Mass Effect Three, right. and you got to play it right before the final mission. So prior to the ending, just before the final mission, because it's so critical to the lore. And I think that is the place where the storyline of the Leviathan DLC. You, I'm not. I'm just going to tease it a little bit. The Leviathan DLC tells you how the Reapers were created,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is like a huge detail. It's a and big reveal. I, yeah. I think it should have been part of the original game, but I also like that it was DLC. So regardless, like, you know, I'm happy that it exists and it's a very one, very well done DLC. There's a cool underwater mission, too, um, <laughs> which isn't in anywhere else in Mass Effect, I think. <laughs> but like I said, you know, it goes over how the Reapers were created and there are some massive reveals, uh, especially, you know, if you do it right before the final mission, it might change how you view the decision at the end. Right. It, it very well might. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And there's one more. There's one more bonus, uh, you know, big detail that that Bioar changed. And I think it's a big detail when it comes to file size. It's very small. Uh, <laughs> but there is a picture, a specific picture, which also generated a lot of controversy. And if and it con- generated a lot of controversy among people who romanced Tally. Um, and as people know, whoever Shepard romances in Mass Effect 3, Shepard keeps a headshot of them on his desk. Just a little picture that he picks up and looks at, I think, in one of the cinematics, um, just reflects on the love he has for that character. And Tally's picture was more or less a poorly photoshopped uh stock image of just you know <laughs> like if you type in like getty images human girl <laughs> you, might, <laughs> right. you might find this but there's a new they they replaced the picture so many fans were pissed off about that when it first came out they never did they never did anything well now there's legendary edition and now there's actually a new picture that makes more sense and it reveals how tally's face looks and so i just think i think it looks really beautiful should we, uh, should we share it should we share it? Should yeah, we put it up on share. Share
2: it. All right. This is it. I it accidentally popped it earlier when I was adjusting it, but uh, there she is. There's some crazy white eyes.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's actually uh, lore friendly. You know, if you look at if you look into the lore and I think we we haven't done a Korian race episode yet, we will uh, where we go over more of their biology. But that picture is, of course, it's it's canon. But it, of course, it's also lore friendly. I'm not sure in, entirely who the individual artist was um but that picture has been shared on reddit um that's where we got it mm-hmm. and uh it just looks am- amazing especially in reference to the the, the previous option <laughs> where this one actually looks like it was something from the game right and yeah. um and
2: i'm, I'm sharing yeah. this on our discord so if you guys are interested in seeing it you can just look up the robots radio discord it'll be on the mass effect lorecast channel um or if you want to check out the video version of the podcast, that'll be up on, on the Robots Radio YouTube where you can see it as well.
1: I'm laughing because No Mercy in chat says, that's so much better than the country music album cover they copied. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> Which it, that is kind of how it looks. It's like just so cliche. That's how the old one looked. Uh, but the new one looks amazing. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much those are the top changes that Bioware has uh announced for the legendary edition there's a ton of other ones i encourage you all you know we wanted to go into more detail but we only have an hour for these podcasts so (laughs) i encourage you all to like look at ea's own website they have like a blog where they go over in very uh in-depth detail over all the graphical changes and whatnot Uh, so i do encourage you to to uh look at the source material there
2: well there you go well, we would love to hear your experiences as well. So um, if you're interested in chatting with us, that's one of the reasons why we do these shows is to to meet you guys and, and to hear about your experiences. Um, so come join us in the Robots Radio Discord. You know, send us some, some tweets, share some of your screenshots. I'd love to I'd love to see your screenshots of your of your uh, shepherds. So if you have a shepherd who is as beautiful as mine, then maybe, uh, you know. Maybe we can have a competition. Maybe we can have like a, a vote off where people vote on their favorite shepherd design and we just put everybody's on a big list <laughs> or something
1: like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I don't know, the winner The winner gets something. Pound yeah. back. Maybe the, the winner will get something. Something sure. like that.
2: Yeah. We've been thinking about doing doing a giveaway. So we're, we'll, we're planning that right now. We're trying to come up with a fun way to maybe give away a copy or two of, of the legendary edition for you guys. Uh, for those of you, especially, who haven't been able to get your own copy yet. Um, so stay tuned for that. We'll have some more info about that in the future. And uh, of course, we'll be back next week with another lore episode. We've talked a lot about the legendary edition this episode, but we'll be back to some regular lore stuff. And and um, 7 do you have anything else going on? Anything else you want to share before we head out?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm going to be streaming Legendary Edition uh, this week in between runs to get groceries and and furnish my apartment uh, further um, and, and kind of explore the new city that I'm in. But I will be streaming Legendary Edition this week. I'll be putting out um, some announcement on, on Twitter. And if you don't follow me on Twitter yet, it's just at N7TheLegend. That's primarily where I'm going to be announcing when I'm streaming as well as in the Discord. So, And, and by the way, if you haven't joined our Discord group, do that like we get awesome mass effect memes and and just the community the fan base is like the best damn fan base i've ever been a part of and and ever seen so really join the discord um but yeah like like you said tom we're gonna be resuming our series on the primary intelligent alien races of mass effect uh next week and that's gonna be we're gonna be talking about the salarians awesome yeah we
2: just we just eclipsed 1500 people on our discord which is Crazy. Also, if you are a streamer or a content creator, there's a, a section in there for you to share your stuff So if you want to share it with us, uh, feel free to you know If you go live on a stream and you're playing Mass Effect share it in there Let let people know maybe they'll pop in and check out your stream. So um, again, please join our community We'd love to find out what you guys are doing All right, and let's see. Do I have anything else going on? I've got all the regular shows I've got at robotsradio.net. The website is going to be redesigned uh, currently the uh, security certificate is has lapsed so it'll say like this is an unsecure connection it's it's not i just haven't updated my security certificate so if you go to robotsradio.net and it looks shady i promise we're not stealing your data it's I, it's just in the middle of updating so um but anyway if you check out the other shows on the network there's a bunch of cool shows to listen to if it has lore casts in the title it's probably one of mine so if you're into fallout or elder scrolls or cyberpunk or dungeons and dragons uh check out that stuff and we'll be back like usual next week. Same time, same bat time, same bat channel. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you guys later. Have a good week. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at masseffectlorecast at gmail.com.
0: Hello. Hi. (laughs) Do you like bad movies? Do you find yourself defending bad movies, saying things like, well, the soundtrack was okay, or the costumes were pretty fun? From the previous hosts of It's Not That Bad Podcast, we bring you Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast, from Simone LaRue and Chad Akovitz. Every week, we review two movies that did not do well critically, but we say, hey, there are some nice things about them. Maybe Rotten Tomatoes was wrong. Maybe they're all fools, and you should watch these movies regardless. We'll also talk about scenes that could have saved it, and we'll often refer to Simone's cats, because they're amazing and adorable, and we love them. (laughs) And at the end of each review, we will tell you whether we would watch this movie again uh, or in what circumstances we would recommend you watch this movie. So join us on July 9th for the first drop of our main episode and then two days later for our drop of our minisodes. And on Robots Radio Podcast Network. Come see us on July 9th. We love you so much already. Bye. Bye!